Some films are mediocre Some films aren't good or bad Some films won't win an Oscar Globe, BAFTA, or a SAG You like those flicks? Come get your fix in a podcast called Mixed Bag Kia ora and welcome to Mixed Bag where we review the mixed Muddled Mediocre Meh more boring. Maybe. Muddling. And improvised movies of film history. I'm Cassandra. I'm James. And Matt is not here. We're a Mattless pod today. What? Um, so this is why we are back for the sequel to the infamous Quick Mix episode, one, one of, of our, our longest, longest episodes, episodes. Uh, in which, yeah, James and I are just going to be here to chat. I guess about stuff, about pop culture. But we if gotta, you love the pop corner segment of the show, this is going to be the episode for you. This and is us. And we are aiming for this to actually be quick this time. Yes, that's the plan. And we are also aiming for a title. Now, I chucked out Quick Mix 2, Here We Mix Again. I My favourite so far is Quick Mix 2, The Quickening. Or I liked um, Quick Mix 2, The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, um, the quick and the mixed, maybe. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, quick the, the quick and the mixed. It's okay, let's good. go with that. Okay, yeah. are we doing any more? Like, nah, I think that's good. Too too mixed. Too. Nah, that one's that one's overplayed now. Yeah, they do it too much. The quick, quick mix to the quick and the mixed. Yeah, Done. it's great, and great. also a potential mixed bag in the future. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, how are you doing, Cassandra? I'm doing great. This is the thing is when Matt's not here, there's no reason for us to check in with each other because we're with each other almost entirely <laughs> all the time. Like, how are you? Oh, how are you during how that you? like hour long I'll stretch tell you how we were we are is that other. James and I completely sideswiped by daylight savings this morning. Oh, yes. Uh, which we did not realise was happening. Yeah. We woke up and I was like, it's 8.30. This is so, why does it feel so early? But I should have had a good night's sleep. I didn't go to sleep that late and then i realized that it was daylight savings uh i think yeah. too i think maria williams posted on her instagram so uh, about how much she loves daylight savings because she's weird <laughs> um, um, and regularly throughout the day we were like it's two already yeah like yeah it was uh it's been a rough well you know it hasn't been a rough day but in well, that it's, regard it feels it's like it's been it's earlier today than it is it's, it's already you know uh, we're recording this past 3 p.m goodness we're planning to do this around lunchtime yeah <laughs> um but yeah that's that's how we've been today yeah nice so, so surreal without the third energy of yeah Matt. yeah the chaotic component yeah. shout out to Matt. Um, so yeah, Matt's on holiday. He's out of the country. Yes. Um, so that's why he's not here. We haven't, um, banned him from the podcast. No, God no. As much uh, as we might be, you know, threatening to on yeah, occasion. Of course, always. <laughs> uh, and this, we're, we're dropping this on the day that our, our final, um, you must remember mixed, uh, would come out. Yes. Um, and so what we're going to do, we're not going to wait two weeks again because we know that you're chomping at the bit. Everybody just needs that fix of mix. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be delivering a new episode next week. So hopefully this quick mix will give you Just a tied respite. you over. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what, if, what are we going to talk about, James? Yeah, so I thought, yeah, maybe let's talk about some of those pop culture um, experiences in Pop Corner. Yeah, pop, so pop, 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 pop Corner. Time we um, recorded. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you want to talk about the Emmys. They happened. I don't feel like I have a huge amount of takes on them. Yeah. Personally. I mean, maybe let's leave the Emmys until Matt comes back around. I know he's very invested in it. So. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was just sort of amazed by the amount of them. There's so many Emmys. There's Ma- a lot. Many Emmy. 
I mean, there's a it's lot a of local warm up for a you. Lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of um, there's a lot of television out there, and I think they feel like an obligation to shout out stuff that I, also, I don't know doesn't necessarily like Saturday Night Live and John Oliver. And but I mean, I, it's less about that and more just I was amazed that like and and kind of like I'm really pro the fact that they have things like costume design categories. They've got best modern costume design, best period costume oh, design, I miss that. and best science fiction and fantasy costumes. Like, there's just three separate categories, and that's like, great. Do they have that as a they don't a they don't announce any of these. These oh. are all on the technicals like I, I right. you know I don't watch any of the ceremonies so I don't know what they actually present right. but I'm like I think that's cool because it's kind of not apples and oranges it's sort of comparing you don't have to be like succession versus house of the dragon like you yeah. know like let's put all these completely different yeah. you know visual aesthetics let's at least be trying to compare thing with thing otherwise it's the Oscars thing where it's like oh this one's beautiful period gowns it's always going to win over this which is just beautifully tastefully chosen modern costuming yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time the period dramas will will win out yeah it's stuff. just because it's like it's more complex it's more fabric yeah. <laughs> but that's different yeah talking about an award show we'll return back to the Emmys next week but talking about an award show that does have two kind of streams that has recently announced that it's come back the Golden Globes are Coming are they? Back? Yeah. It's I be... thought, I mean, well, did they go away or did they just not televise them? Yeah, so they didn't televise them last year, but the, I guess, I think the assumption was that it would kind of quietly disappear because last time around, do you remember the Golden Globes? It was uh, like, they were, twi- they were being kind. tweeted out and the people who were tweeting it didn't seem to have an understanding about what the films are about. Oh, yes, I do like, remember that. If you like a giggle, um, you should see. <laughs> you should see. It was like a sad drama performance or something yeah um but yeah it's back and yeah some people have given back their globes you know it was someone who gave back their globes that is now in contention of potentially winning something shout out to little gold men for for these little tidbits and then like brendan fraser like is probably going to be up for a globe and then his whole sexual harassment uh experience happened at the globe so no one kind of really knows how it's all gonna go but yes that does have Musical or comedy and drama. That's kind of the thing I was alluding to with the two streams there. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Look, should we move on? Yeah. Um, we saw a movie the other day. Yes. It was good. We saw uh, See How They Run. Oh. Um, which I enjoyed. I, I feel like it's not... It feels within... So this is to make the comparison, you know, as a fair comparison. Yeah, I what, felt what like it was not as good first? as Knives Out. Sure. Which, obviously, it's not set up in contention. It's not like a no. by the same people. But it felt very much in that world in terms of just contemporary murder mystery that's very much drawing on the cosy murder mystery. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a heritage, big, I guess. big uh, resurgence of murder mystery. And this one's even out. more explicitly because it's based around like a, a murder happening on the set of The Mousetrap. The famous West End Agatha Christie. Is that bu- oh, um, and little, so yeah, Agatha, Agatha, Agatha does appear in it. Yeah, um, in a very small role, uh, but yeah, so it's very much like drawing off that particular strain of murder mystery, the the cozy mystery of yeah. the the country house and the detective, and lots of tropes that are kind of pulling from that, and then a lot of references to the mousetrap itself. And but I think-, I think it's I feel like it was very well done in that James and I both are people that have seen the mousetrap, so we kind of. Nope. No, you've but you've read it. Nope. Ah, oh, but how then? How do you know how what happens? I don't know. I just people me. spoiled it for you. That's the whole point of the mousetrap is that you're not supposed to be spoiled. I know. Well, James, people have done the unforgivable. <sighs> um, but yeah, it's uh, I I know Christy and I know the conventions of Christy. You just you just devastated I'm on just my behalf. The, yeah, the whole point is that people like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't know. Maybe I spoiled myself. 
Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't seen The Mousetrap itself and I will not be giving away um, the spoiler here. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy... I think like your your viewership is really rewarded if you are a Christie fan and mm. I assume if you are a Mousetrap fan as well. I didn't know the, the thing of the title, see how they run as... As Cass explained, a reference to uh, three blind mice, which is whistled by the killer in um, the mousetrap. I think it's just like people. There's a, oh, a, people a person that's it. like playing it on the piano, and someone oh, whistles right. it at one point. I think it's like it's it comes up a lot. Um, it's, yeah, the motif of the play. They have a lot of those in Agatha Christie, where she'll just have like there's one with like Hickory Dickory Duck. You know, she likes doing that. She loves the nursery rhymes. Um, Sometimes those nursery, nursery rhymes, rhymes are problematic. Um, yeah, and then the like. I think um, what I was going to say is that its structure of the storytelling and see how they run is very much, um, I think it works on multiple levels based on people that know like the, I guess, not exactly source material, it's not based off the mousetrap, but the the, the reference material um, and people that don't in that there is, I think, a particular solution which people that know the source material are going to be like, oh, the killer will have the same. It'll be the same twist as the mousetrap because that will be, you know, like the a good way to um, kind of honor that source material. Mm. And so that's what James and I were both going into it thinking that they were going to do. Um, and then they play with those expectations in a really interesting way. I think it would still work for people that haven't seen or read or have been spoiled for the mousetrap yeah. um, in a different way where you're, you're watching it in a little bit more um, in the way that the story just unfolds. But I'd be really interested to hear from people that don't know the original. And it also doesn't spoil the mousetrap, so if you are planning to see it at any point or read it at any point, um, you can go and see this film without, you know, having that play spoiled for you, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think... I mean, because all I really knew about the mousetrap was the twist itself. I don't really know the story. And mm. so... Um, there are kind of allusions to the story of the mousetrap, which, yeah, I didn't find I was particularly missing out on it um, while watching it. Um, I want to shout out some of the performances. I think Social yeah. Ronan is like... Oh, she's so cute and funny. Film, yeah, it kind of lives and dies. I'm like, if you, the film would... No, it doesn't live and die. The film would still work without such a star performance like hers, but it, it really just elevates it to a higher kind of level. It's nice to see her doing comedy, which I don't think she gets to do very much. Yeah. Um, I guess that Wes Anderson film, um, Grand Budapest Hotel, a little bit, but she wasn't mm, But in she's it not much. really like the funny main, no. you know, she's like a comedic lead here, which I don't yeah. think I've seen from her before. And she's so charming. She's sort of, her character is like the rookie cop yeah. who's just kind of joined the force after her husband died in the war. This is set in like early 50s. Mm. Um, and she's, yeah, kind of very, very keen on solving mysteries, really keen on doing the detective work stuff. But she, yeah, tends to not really think about everything very clearly and jump to a lot of conclusions. Yeah. Um, but we're really rooting for her the whole time and we wanted to... <laughs> Wanted yeah. to get the bad guys, but she's also very distracted by being starstruck by the mousetrap's performers. Yeah, and uh, honestly, throughout. like if I was a police uh, policeman, I probably would make the, the exact mm. same <laughs> problems that that she jumps into. Well, I mean, in real life, murders are generally very simple. Yes, so it's like oh, <laughs> it's like oh, probably it was, it was this guy, husband. it was that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's yes. it's not really a, a realist sort no. of. No, but there's so much uh, comedy mind out of her leaping. Uh, jumping to conclusions, which, mm. yeah, it turns out to be, you know... And it's um, a good sort of lampshading of, like, the audience surrogate character of, yeah. like, that's what, you know, like, 
me or James's mother watching the television would be like, oh, it was him after seeing yes. an interview where someone is made to look particularly suspicious. Yeah. And so it's kind of the character doing that like, as oh. well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a really playful way yeah, to, mm. to play with those conventions. I also say the production design is very, very good. Yeah. It's really um, nice. Yeah. It's like just beautiful 1950s kind of like that sort of. I guess it's an era that you don't really see in England so much. I feel like mm. 1950s Americana shows up on screen yeah. all the time, but 1950s in England um, doesn't so much. And it's kind of got all of that sort of American new gloss, yeah. but with um, a much more of a, a genteel English sensibility. I don't know. It's very um, yeah. gorgeous to look at. It's quite a quiet kind of film as well. Like it kind of reminded me of like Powell and Pressburger, like, old british films like that like uh harkening back to those like 40s mm. and 50s kind of aesthetics which is yeah really fun and really beautiful and you don't always kind of live in that i also thought you know sometimes co- with cozy mysteries they can be a little kind of pedestrian in terms of their filmmaking but i mm. thought this was yeah really dynamic they use like a, a lot of fun they've got the split screen technique yeah a lot. like and that's you associate that with like filmmakers like de palma like very like experimental and playful um, I don't know exactly what it was saying, but I, I certainly enjoyed it. I think it. they were just having fun. Yeah, they were having There's fun. There's a lot of commentary on, like, because it's about this film adaptation of the, the mousetrap yeah. you know, that is being trying to be made. And yeah. so, yeah, a lot of it is about film language and, like, what film audiences will accept, which, you know, like, how films have got to be more interesting than boring old plays. Yeah, um, and, and tensions between, <laughs> like, American audiences and British audiences. Yeah. You have the director, Adrian Brody. Um, who's having a lot of fun when yeah, he's like, who is our, our murder victim I don't yes. think it's a spoiler to say because he dies in the first five minutes which yeah. is after him doing a whole narration saying how that this play of the mousetrap is so boring because nobody dies in the first five minutes yeah. um, so there's a lot of meta commentary like that yeah and it's doing that kind of sunset boulevard like the narrator is dead yeah. what? I, I feel really like enjoyed it, his performance I thought yeah, it was really playful I think generally everybody's working really well I'd say like I mean, I think the mystery itself isn't super tangled up in terms of its its complexity like it's sort of you know, not that it's like too easy to guess, but I think there could be a few more twists and turns and layers to it. It yeah, felt like sure. it was a little bit just like, and this person did it. Okay. Like yeah. it, it didn't really feel it didn't, hugely satisfying as a mystery. I feel like some mystery, like in murder mysteries, it's like the mystery isn't really as much the point of it. And I guess what... I mean, it is. <laughs> it, it is the point, but this was more interested in kind of exploring... This was more interested in being a comedy than a yeah. movie mystery, I think. and leading you down a certain path and and exploring that relationship between Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. Hmm. Um, yeah, I do think the murder... I agree, the murder mystery could have been a little bit more twisty Yeah, um, I think they were more interested in doing this kind of meta-like thing around the mousetrap and that pastiche and all of that stuff, um, which they do really well. But yeah. I think, like, I, I was hoping that it would also deliver on that level as well. Totally. Um, we can't all be be Ryan Johnson. Talking of Ryan Johnson, Knives Out Two or It's on its way. The Glass Onion is coming out December twenty third, I believe, mm, on Netflix. Okay. I really want to see it in a cinema, but um, hopefully New Zealand do show it in the cinema because people say some people have said that it's better than the original and all kinds of stuff. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to I've it. Heard good things. I've, yeah. Yeah. We're trying to keep ourselves not watch too many trailers behind the scenes because it's like I'm going to see it. I'll come yeah. along. And talking of, well, I just remembered about this, Dave Batista is in Glass Onion. He also appears in an M. Night uh, trailer, a, a director who has previously appeared 
Oh, on mixed bag. A very mixed director. Yes. Uh, you know, Mixie, Honoree, uh, so, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. If you remember Old and you enjoyed Old, did we review Old on the pod? We talked about Old on oh, the pod. I don't think we did it a as a special, a full Damn. episode. Oh, we should have. Uh, yeah. There's still time. No, um, oh, well, we've already seen it now. <laughs> yeah. We've already got our takes on Old. Go back and find whatever you was on at the time. Dig through it and find um, but it's, what's it called? A Knock at the Cabin, I believe it's called. Uh, a Knock at the Cabin. I'm was it Knock at the Cabin Door or something like that? Or was it just Knock at the Cabin? I think it's Knock at the Cabin. Something like that. And it's apparently based on a novel called The Cabin at the End of the World, which is a better title, so I don't know why he adapted it. <laughs> I guess um, I guess they didn't want to give away... Well, it's on the but trailer. it's not giving any, away anything. Yeah. Um, at the End of the World, uh, it's... It's 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 playing on something because it's like it means a remote location, but also, like, is this going to be the end of the world? Um, because in this little trailer, we see well, let's start off from the start. We see, uh, we see the our beloved um, Jonathan Groff. We see a, a you know a gay family, which is great with a with a kid, um, and then uh, a sinister entity, Dave Batista, shows up, complete with Rupert Grint. Um, you know, <laughs> Ron hostile. It's got a posse. Yeah, a whole posse, posse four, um, saying that uh, the family have to make a choice, um, and that, and if they make uh, because it could be the end of the world uh, if they make the wrong choice. Yeah, I don't know. It seems fine. Yeah. James is very excited about oh, this to the point of just... he's now telling you the trailer, which you could just watch for yourself. Oh, but there's such a sense of mood. <laughs> it's a vibe. You're just um, like it's it's yeah. Sinister. It looks uh, it looks pretty good. I will reserve my my opinions until seeing but i'll watch it yeah m night just has a particular sensibility that really sometimes doesn't work for me and but when it works it just it clicks into place mm-hmm. like old um check out old if you haven't already um yeah what else have we been watching taking in uh well yesterday we watched the first episode of the amazing race most mm. recent series yeah um which we just enjoy i just like the amazing race so much and i think that james and i spend a lot of time doing yeah when the amazing race is on yeah. is is a little bit of dialogue we like to call yeah. phil cogan impressions yes because would you like you to know? do a little little example okay i'll give it a go um yeah. i find it quite difficult actually Welcome to the Amazing Race. See, that was just a New Zealand accent. That no, was too New Zealand. My Ze- welcome was American. Yeah, but it didn't sound right. So okay, you, you go. Is- you go. Eleven teams are gathered here today. Welcome to the Amazing Race. <laughs> I think. I think it's it was, like halfway through. It just goes back to New Zealand. Yeah, but you got to blend it that little bit more. Um, I think because it's it only comes out in like the slight syllables. It's just certain. Yeah, it's because like did you amazing know, race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you know, dear listener? You probably do. Maybe not. Phil Cogan is is a New Zealander. He's from New Zealand. Um, uh, when he was first given television hosting jobs in America, they said, "Could you please Americanize your accent?" Yeah. Um, just so that people can understand what you're saying. Yeah. And he was like, "Sure thing." And when I was a kid, I watched it and I was like, "Yes, this is a pitch perfect exact American accent." Yeah. And now every time I listen to him uh, with, you know, an adult brain and the knowledge of, like, accent training and just a good ear for accents. Yeah. You can just pick up that he's never quite... It's, like, almost an American it's accent. It's like, go really trips him up. Yeah. You have got to go all the way <laughs> over there. And it'll be, like, just this little yeah. appearance. And, like, any time that he goes to New Zealand on The Amazing Race, it's yeah. funny because he just completely forgets because yeah. he's clearly, like, on set, you <laughs> know, around his fam. Yeah. You know, he's back in, back in the, the old the old country. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the American accent slips away. And so what do we like about The Amazing Race? What is What makes it so charming? It's fun. 
fun. It's like it's travel, and so you get to see a lot of different countries. Yeah. Um, it's a great. It's like the structure of it, I think, is really good. Mm. You got these pair teams, so you've got like a little bit of a, you know, rather than just an individual person, you're kind of learning about them and their relationship to each other. So you also get to see all of their frustrations. Um, yeah. There's also always a in more recent seasons just a real wild connection of like mm. uh, you know uh how people know each other in the teams because usually yeah. it's like majority couples like we're newlyweds and we're, we're circus performers and we've been married for 15 years yeah. um but now they've got things like and this this year they've got long lost twins yeah so they've got some twins who Incredible. were separated at birth and they've re- recently reunited and now they're spending the amazing race to get to know each other a bit better yeah um, i think a previous one there was there was a couple uh, there was a team who um, prevented like a terrorist attack Yes, there was um, like hero, hero, like hero, hero who saved the day during a like a subway knife attack yeah, or yeah. something. And they weirdly, um, do you know this? Clint Eastwood made a film about those guys. Oh, yes, cut, I, you did tell me that. And he cast them. Oh, and it's like he didn't cast. That's kind actors. of weird, though. It's kind of weird. <laughs> anyway, he's, a, he's yeah. curious about hero. Um, but yeah, the last season also had acquitted man and yes. guy who fought for his innocence so this was like a guy who yeah. has like he like wrongfully went to jail for murder like wrongfully as, as a young man and then his best friend who stood by him this whole time and uh, like helped get him out of prison yeah and then they were going on amazing race straight after i guess and you're just you've... like this is wild were they firstly where do they find these people okay it's america it's a big country but also like what possesses somebody to be like you know what we're going on the amazing race hey i mean i imagine their producers are like you know, after we need to find the best stories. Uh, yeah, after whatever kind of event occurred, they probably you know slide into their DMs. However, yeah, they do. Like, they like look hey. at they're like, hey, this guy just got out of prison. He's actually very fit looking. Yeah, uh, he'd be good at running around and doing athletical challenges. Because it's the thing about these like long form like they've been running for so long these reality tv yeah. shows we can't just like, have like sisters now yeah, we've got to have we've got to have something else. They've got to yeah. have a point of difference. And for me, it doesn't jump the shark. I'm like ultimately. The, the, the stakes are still the same. They've still got to compete like everybody else. Like, it's not an unfair now, advantage. Now, the thing I do love about vintage old seasons of Amazing Race, and James has heard me talk about this before, yeah. is that they used to do a thing where they would make them, like, it would be a lot more about how they travel from country to country. So there's a lot more logistics. Yes. And it was just things like them being like, okay, so everybody else is getting on this plane, but we realized if we take this ferry and we leave now, we could mm. go onto the ferry and then we're closer to this other bigger airport and we can get a faster direct flight straight from here. Or whatever. And then so this one team would, like, circumvent because they've oh, got... That was so cool. But, like, then, you know just the way that people travel around the world has changed well, and it's yeah. not you're not able to do that after like there's 9-11 and then there's also the pandemic I mean, there's stuff only, there's not that much amazing race pre-9-11 most of it is post-9-11 yeah. but it's still like you know you, you just you can't like it's mostly to do with bubbles people... now with like pandemic stuff I mean, yeah but I mean even before that it's when just, did they start to phase it out like probably like late thousands like it's yeah. it's been it was, oh, modern sorry. era it's to do with like do more with better cell phones it's right? to do with cell phones yeah. it's to do it's to do with how people book flights that you don't go to a travel agent you do other yeah. things you know because sometimes the travel agent pays off sometimes it really fucks you over yeah and it's like now you just have skyscanner you know like it's yeah. that modern technology's changed yeah and yeah they make it they, they haven't made it so it's like you can't do it with a cell phone you can't use a cell phone on the amazing race which yeah 
in, I would be really interested to see how that would work if they did that, but I think just for security reasons, it's just yeah. kind of, they can't do that to them. One thing like, we noticed, let's strand you in a foreign country and you don't get a cell phone. Yeah. One um, thing we noticed about this latest uh, episode is that they, if you like win, they give you 2,500 each as opposed yes, that's to like a recent 5,000 It used to just be together. And then I guess they realized that people might not always want to hang people out together on out, holiday. You know, <laughs> Especially yeah. the couples. Um, um, yeah. And, and a recent change uh, this year, probably because of, of the pandemic and tighter budgets, is like they're not doing any um, non-elimination rounds, which is, yeah, kind of a surprise because I really do like that reveal when It's it always nice when it's a team that you really want to see get another chance and they yeah. get to stick, or stick around, they don't get eliminated. But this this time, everybody's getting eliminated, which you're oh, like, you okay, know. fair. Yeah, fewer episodes, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Another thing they used to do, oh, this is I was halfway through my oh, discussion yes. okay. before James changed subject again, was back in the vintage seasons, they would also do a thing where if you got non-eliminated, Mm. If you, yeah, they would take all of your money. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, you have to <laughs> and that's hilarious to me. And so, yeah, you start off a, le- a league with a particular amount of money. I think they don't even give you, tell you the money anymore because it's not, you're not expected to uh. have to buy stuff. All the travel is just provided. Mm. Whereas it used to be like, this is your budget for the league. You have to use that to travel. You have to do that to everything else. Yeah. And the people that are eliminated, that weren't, that could have been eliminated but weren't, would just be have no money and they'd have to like go and beg from people on no, the street which amazing. is terrible <laughs> like, yeah, just going to other tourists and be like hi we're on the amazing race um can we get some can money, some money? <laughs> and yeah. like people would give it to them i don't yeah, know you can't do that now uh, but, um, um yeah. yeah i've only seen a couple of the of the og seasons but really enjoyed them and it's just a slice of life from like you see what was acceptable oh, on thousands at culture. The time. You see like fashion choices. You see all sorts. It's just yeah. highly recommend going back and watching some old, yeah, old reality TV. Just to especially. tide you over while you're watching this, because I mean, yeah, today I've been like, I wish I want to watch another Amazing Race episode, and I'm like, oh, it only comes out once a week. What is I that? I can't. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I've also been. Good. It's fun to see challenges. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the delight uh, as well as um, we've been watching. Um, uh, Thursday's a real treat for us because Bake Off comes out. We've discussed that last episode. Yeah, we have. Uh, and then um, Amazing Race comes out and then also Survivor comes out. Mm. So when we learned that um, that both Survivor and The Amazing Race, it was like two like TV dads arriving, dropping at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, Survivor, I'll chat a little bit in more detail probably next week with Matt because yes, he is an avid Survivor fan. I also fan. haven't watched this first episode yet. And yeah, you've got to catch up and by that point there'll be depending on when we record two episodes out Mm. um should be a lot of fun uh yeah well what other pieces of media i've got a little book recommendation that i can yeah jump in with that yeah cool um well i we talked about stuart turton's um the seven deaths of evelyn hardcastle a couple of weeks we were both big fans yeah and uh i was wandering around the old public library and what did i see Stuart Turton's second book and his most recent, uh, The Devil and the Deep Water, um, which I'm about halfway through and I would highly recommend. So to give you some context on this, you looking for the book? Yeah. Oh, I don't the know. The Devil and the Dark Water. Oh, Dark Water. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was deep or dark, mm. but it's both essentially, you know. But in terms of for searching uh, purposes, dark. Thanks for the correction. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is one of those great like ship tales like it's a sea shanty um it's 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 a good fun time so the premise is there's this guy called um samuel pips and he has been 
arrested and we don't know why he's a prisoner in this ship and he's this kind of like sherlock holmes like figure like he has gone around and like solved these crimes in an amazing way and they call him the sparrow and with the sparrow there's a figure called the bear um who is called aunt uh, Haps, I believe his name is, um, who is like this big, like, think the Umbrella Academy number one. Is it number one? Yeah, it's the, the massive guy. The big guy he got in, part gorilla. Uh, part, yeah. Um, DNA spliced into him. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he like, he, he has difficulty like fitting through crevices and stuff like that. And he's basically like, he'll like, when the criminals run or whatever or have to be killed, he like, go and do the job. And, uh, yeah, they're boarding on the ship and uh, this mysterious event kind of occurs uh, with a leper. Uh, and then uh, there's a belief that the ship is going to be cursed and people are like, the ship should not sail. Something terrible is going to happen on the ship. And what, is ha- what happens? Of course, the ship sails. Um, Foolish. I know. Hubris. Yeah. So we have this master detective that is locked up in like the tiniest little crevice in the ship you know where it gets like tinies in a cage and so his bodyguard is like massive hulking guy who's more of your watson like has to try to figure out what this curse is and yeah what what horrible happening is going to happen to it uh horrible happening is going to happen um because there's a belief that the old Tom, the devil, like a, a demonic kind of figure is is uh, is going to take command of, of the crew. Um, this is a, set in a time period. I'm not sure when exactly it's kind of set, but there's a belief that devils and demons are a real kind of problem and entity. And maybe they are in this book. Maybe they're not. It's kind of, it plays with uh, different philosophies. Some people totally believe that there's a devil. Some people are very atheist, don't believe in anything supernatural. So having a blast about halfway through and it's just real beautiful meaty storytelling that is murder mystery spliced with as i was saying all kinds of different genres sea shanties and not that that's a genre but you know the the kind of on the on the boat it's hell on earth um i feel like sea shanty is almost a sort of you know a a seafaring tale yeah yeah you know you know Moby Dick. Moby Dick, you Master know. and Commander. Yeah. Like, yeah. Aubrey Matcher in series. Yeah. And it's got me inspired to, to rewatch The Terror, um, which is uh, an amazing uh, TV show that I haven't uh, rewatched yet, but I would highly recommend you check out. It didn't really get seen all that much. Jared Harris and Kieran Hines, based off a real um, uh, ship incident. A voyage. A voyage. Uh, which is what the famous sea shanty takes. Yeah, the famous song Northwest Passage by Stan Rogers, uh, a cappella classic, yes. is based on the tale of the ill-fated Franklin voyage featuring, <laughs> expedition into the Arctic. Featuring a ship called the Terror. Yeah, they were like, yeah, let's take the HMS Terror. This won't be a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. This will be fine. Um, but the, the TV show takes that premise and then uh, applies horror and supernatural kind of... Um, uh, uh, tropes to it so highly recommend checking that out it came up very close to chernobyl and everyone raved about jared harris and that but i think jared is just as good if not better in the terror so yes i'm very much living my sea shanty life um having a blast feeling the barnacles under my elbows great how about you uh i just finished a book um yeah i just finished jeanette mccurdy's autobiography i'm glad my mom died um which is like that you really went for the the hard american 
mom. That's a mom. Um, which is, yeah, uh, so Jeanette McCurdy was a Nickelodeon star. Um, she was a contemporary of Miranda Cros- Cosgrove and Ariana Grande. Mm. Was on shows with both of them. Um, and I Carly is the main one? Yeah, that was her first one. Then she was on a spin-off with, right. with Ariana. Um, and yeah, I did not watch any of these shows because we're like, I'm the same age as Jeanette McCurdy and yeah, her, uh, you know, it's it's Nickelodeon. So it's based for children that are five to 10 years younger (laughs) than the actors. Um, but yeah, it's this very sort of sad memoir (laughs) about just like the sort of terrible experience she had, like as a child actor and sort of explaining why she, yeah, sort of quit acting Mm. as a later adult. Um, and yeah, it's, it's about her relationship with her mother, who was this very narcissistic kind of controlling person who basically steered her from a very young age into doing acting in a purely stage mom, you know, like living vicariously through my child kind of way. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's, it's a very much a page turner. It's not like a, you know, literary memoir, I would say it's very just like kind of pulpy. But it's, yeah, just her sort of talking about her life and her experiences. And it's just kind of so harrowing and bizarre to read about, yeah. like, yeah, what a, what this poor girl's experience was with her, her mother. And I think it's very interesting about, yeah, just, like, how those relationships kind of manifest. Um, and it's a sort of abusive relationship you don't hear about so much, where, like, the mother, you know, I don't think has any sense that what she's doing is so terrible but that she's actually fostering like yeah like eating disorders and her daughter and that she's you know putting so much pressure on her daughter to do this acting stuff that she develops a number of different like Mm. mental illnesses as a as a child that persist into adulthood um as well as all the eating disorders and as well as addiction and various other things and it's yeah this sort of um yeah it's just one of those things where you're like oh man (laughs) this is such a like one of those things that could only have been told after many, many years of therapy. Mm. Um, but it's very fascinating to read and just look at, like, yeah, how somebody could kind of find themselves in the situation. And I think paired with the rehearsal, which we've talked about a lot right. um previous episodes yeah. of, of this show, it really goes into, like, it calls into eth- the sort of ethical questions of, like, whether children should be allowed to be professional actors in the first mm-hmm. place. Like, what? whether the safeguards that are currently there for, for children acting are enough because it's so difficult to get true consent from children. Like, that's why we, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. why, like, yeah, children can't can't consent. They can't sign contracts and they can't do, you know, yeah. because, like, they're so easily coerced. Um, and so it's really hard to find kids, like, find out whether kids actually want to be doing and they totally understand the context of what they're doing when they're acting and that they want to be there and that they're not, wanting to be there like this girl is because she you know loves her mother and her mother will cry and throw tantrums and say Mm. she's a terrible daughter if she doesn't do it and so she is this emotionally blackmailed into into doing acting yeah i mean Um, the thing with kids yeah it's people pleasing yeah happened with the peter ellis case where you know yeah kids will testify falsely provide false testimony in order to please their parents and to please police police people yeah. yeah um and it's one of those things where i think yeah it makes you really think about like particularly really young kids Hmm. um like what what there can be in terms of safeguards for them in terms of yeah doing doing Hmm. professional acting and particularly in that hollywood culture where it's like that becomes your job and this this yeah this jeanette this writer is supporting her family basically financially from a very young age um and yeah the amount of pressure that goes into that and i think it's like yeah something that 
should be given more thought and more discussion i think because mm. it's it's such a different case than like most people's experience of acting as children which is like i was in a pageant i was you know yeah. in my school play and yeah like it's that's what we think about when we think about the child acting experience is the the vast majority of it is that but forgetting about this entire cottage industry and in hollywood and another sort of big filmmaking areas where it is this really commercial really like professional high pressure industry that kids are kind of churned through yeah and it's only exacerbated by social media as well like mm. i feel for that that kid that loves corn because he's moved from moved from being the sweet video yeah or fell in love with him to i mean i hope he's various contracts yeah. that his parents are signed being like now he's going to be the face of this brand and, and like all these things signing, like, showing oh. up at chipotle and yeah. like yeah you you like let and it's hard for parents and it's like yeah and it's also like sure those parents probably need the money and they kind of have to yeah so they're in a bad position as well Mm. it's yeah and it's like safeguards for kids would would help not just the kids themselves but like everyone to Mm. kind of ensure that um you know if if a kid i guess like what we have in terms of how late a kid should perform and stuff like that but even you know to uh to even further kind of safeguards around Mm. yeah it's Mm. more around profession and, and, and yeah career. like can you do this full time during the day when you should be at school like you know like yeah. at the moment they're just like as long as there are teachers on set so it'll be fine yeah um, <laughs> and mm. it's like oh, i don't know about that yeah all right well where can people find that uh i found it through the library nice just get it from the library guys yeah and go to the wellington public library yeah it's a great place that's great that's where i found it's great many places it's online it's yeah. there's a lot of little little branches little, you use an, i we both use an app called libby which is uh, talked about libby on this pod many times yeah it's big fans shout it out um and see how they run can be caught in cinemas now the terror can be found on prime video that's where i found it nice um yeah that might be about us for our quick mix. I reckon. Had a bit of a chat. Yeah, a bit of a chin wag. quicker than the last quick mix. Yeah, by about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, for now, kakite, like, catch you next time. And, and that's, that's a, a wrap. You like those flicks? Come get your fix in a podcast called Mixed Bag.